Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us for episode 17 of Revelation, God Rules. The title of this episode is The Seven Last Plagues. It's the episode for Sunday, May 14th, 2023. We're going to see today the seven last plagues, which are seven bowls filled with the wrath of God that are poured upon the earth by seven angels. By this time in the book of the Revelation, the vast percentage of the earth's population is either dead or totally sold out for the Antichrist. There is a percentage of people who have refused the mark and are on the run from the one world government of the Antichrist, including the remnant of Israel that flees to their wilderness fortress to be protected by God. But by and large, the people that are left, for the most part, they are Christ-rejecting people who are in love with the Antichrist and his one world government. I can say without reservation, God is without blame and a Christ-rejecting world is without excuse because after all the dust settles in the book of the Revelation, there will have been 2,000 plus years of gospel preaching and teaching, 144,000 Jewish preachers witnessing to Messiah Jesus there will have been the three-and-a-half-year miraculous ministry of the two prophets who were slain and raised from the dead right in front of the watching world and raptured to heaven as the world watches, literally. And an angel has proclaimed the gospel from the sky as the entire world watches. You know what this yields? Rejection. God's justly deserved wrath is poured out on the earth as he brings the world to Armageddon. In Revelation 15, verses 1 through 8, let's start reading there. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So, Pastor Ed, explain that verse. What does it mean spiritually, symbolically, and allegorically? doesn't mean anything like that that you just asked. God is telling us right here in Revelation 15.1, this is what he wants us to know. What does it mean? What it says. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues for in them is filled up the wrath of God. That's what it means. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the hearts of God. Now let's stop right there. This is a group of people, I believe we've seen them before in the book of the Revelation. Same group. These are those who have been martyred 
because they refused to worship the beast, take the mark, the number of his name, the whole nine yards, they said, no, we choose Jesus. Amen. And they were murdered. They were murdered. But you know what I see here? (laughs) The Bible says they're the ones who won. They got the victory over the beast. He lost. They are standing right here. We see it says, stand on the sea of glass, having the hearts of God. Yes, they were martyred, but they are very much alive and they are rejoicing. I learned something in my study this week. I never had heard, I did not know that among early Christians, when Christians were martyred, they referred to the day of martyrdom as the day of victory. Amen. What are you going to do with people that even if you kill them, you can't shut them up? There's nothing you can do to them. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, Just and true are thy ways, thou King of kings. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. So in their victory over the beast, who thought he was God, and he's not, They ascribe everything the beast wants to be, but isn't. Satan wants to be, but he's not. They ascribe all of that truly and correctly only to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen right here. Amen. Verse five. And after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Did you know that Moses put together the tabernacle in the wilderness as God gave him the pattern. Do you know what it was patterned after? It was patterned after the tabernacle in heaven. And we're seeing that right here. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure and white linen and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. So these angels emerge from the temple and they have a very shallow bowl, uh, easy to pour out of, (laughs) like not a big, long, tall bottle, but a, a shallow bowl that they just tip and it's poured out on the earth. Now, again, if you're new to the, uh, literal interpretation of scripture, Obviously, when something's symbolic, we, we interpret it that way, literally, as a symbol. 
You get it? But when it's clear as can be that God is telling us exactly what's going to happen, this is what's going to happen. You don't have to come up with some deep spiritual meaning about it or whatever could that refer to. God's warning us before all of this ever comes about, there's coming a time where the seven bowls of the wrath of God will be poured out during the tribulation, I believe toward the end, and God's wrath is going to be poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. You do not want to be alive during the tribulation. What you want to do is repent of your sins, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord today, and then when the church is taken out of the world or, or you die before the church is taken out in the rapture, either way, you're not alive during the tribulation when this all unfolds. That's what you want to do. Now, if you've never heard what I'm talking about, I don't know why it's only been in the Bible for about 2,000 years. So if you'd even ever read the entire Bible or just the last book in the Bible or even just the chapter we just read, you would not be ignorant and not know about this. It's all right here. It's literal. God is giving us a warning, just like if someone said there's a fire in the building. You don't stand there and go like, I wonder what that means. You get out of the building. Amen. So these angels are ready to pour out their vials full of the wrath of God. Now again, if you've always only thought of God as a God of love and forgiveness. And as I said a few moments ago, he absolutely certainly is that. But he is also a God of holiness and justice. And he will not let the world go on forever in sin. And this is where we see it all brought home right here. Go to Revelation 16 verses 1 through 21. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So God tells us that the beast worshipers, those who receive the mark of the beast, who worship the image of the beast, who have the number of his name, they love and follow the Antichrist and reject Jesus Christ. Well, it's almost like God says, you like marks? I'll give you a mark. See, they've taken the mark of the beast, which is irreversible. And God marks them with a noisome and grievous sore. Now I looked that up in Greek, and the King James does a great job here. It is a noisome and grievous sore. This is a, a, a foul and just awful, like a, like a canker sore. 
upon the men which had the mark uh, had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And you could tell they that was who they were, even if they didn't have <laughs> the mark on their forehead. Uh, maybe they took the mark of the beast on the right hand. You could see them coming because men... Did they have some awful looking sores on them? And they will. This is one of the judgments God warns about right there in the first vial, the first bowl of the wrath of God poured out. Verse three, and the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea and it became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul died in the sea. Now the the Two important things to know about the blood of a dead man, of a corpse, is it's not flowing and it is uh, decomposing. I'll leave you to fill in the blanks. Well, what's going to happen to the sea? That we don't know exactly. But whatever, however it happens, when God pours out through the angels this vial upon the sea, the result is every living soul died in the sea. Can you imagine every single marine creature dying at one time? This is terrible. It is frightening. Verse four, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Now, right about now, you're probably wondering, is this going to actually be literal? I'm taking it literally. And even if we can't figure out how that happens, that's not a problem for God. Uh, We might not know. He knows. And he's done it before. Think back to Moses in Egypt dealing with Pharaoh. The waters became blood. (laughs) So we start to see mentioned here, and you'll see some other things that remind us of what God has already done before to the most powerful government in the world at that time, which was the nation of Egypt and the Pharaohs, when Moses was used by God to get the Jewish people out of bondage there. You know those stories. If you don't, go read it in the book of Exodus, and you will be enlightened. Those were literal. When God got done with the Egyptians, they couldn't wait to get Israel, the Jewish people, out of Egypt. They even gave them their wealth. Go, yeah, hurry, just go. It was literal. It will be literal in the tribulation. Now, the angel that that just poured out the third vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. In verse five, and I heard the angel of the waters say, now listen carefully to this. And I heard the angel of the waters say, thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Wow. 
Verse 7, And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Verse 8, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. That is an interesting thing about that Greek word. I don't know this for sure, but it appears to me that the Greek word used here may be where we get our English word cauterize. When you cauterize something, uh, like a wound, let's say, or an incision, I think it probably is. I've searched that out more, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes directly from this Greek word. So, so what happens when he pours out this vial upon the sun? Well, in verse 9 it says, And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory. That shows how hardened the hearts of men are by this time in the book of the Revelation as it unfolds. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. That word seat means his, his throne, the... the uh, the place from which he rules. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds." You remember that when Moses confronted the Pharaoh, one of the judgments was a darkness fell on the land of Egypt, but the people of God had light. Do you remember that? It says about that darkness, it was so dark, you could feel the darkness. Now, the closest I've ever come to that was on uh, two times I've been to Ruby Falls. Everybody should go there at least once. I went as a child, that was great, and I went later as a young adult. When you go down, down, down into Ruby Falls to where the falls can be seen, and they turn the lights out at the very end before they, when you get in place, um, you, you really can't, it, you just gotta go, all right? But anyway, there's a point at which you're in total, complete darkness that almost feels like you can reach out and touch it. Yeah, well, when this happens in the book of the Revelation, the kingdom of the beast, which I take to be by this time the entire world, will be in total darkness. Man, this just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? Verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. 
Now, stopping right there, the ancient Roman Empire viewed this great river as a, as a very long and wide natural defense or barrier on their easternmost borders. I mean, what armies could cross the Euphrates? And they weren't worried about that. Well, here, God dries up the Euphrates. And, you know, even as I give this episode, this podcast, there have been several times in the last few years where the Euphrates has dried up at different points, although briefly, Turkey controls the dams that control the Euphrates River. And I think there's been some drought. So we can see that perhaps even now the stage is being set for what's going to ultimately happen that we're reading about right here. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now this phrase, uh, the way of the kings of the east, it's has the idea of from the sun rising. So I would, I guess you could say from the vantage point of Israel or, or even the Roman Empire, it would be far, farther, much farther east than they are, right? Or they were, speaking of Rome or Israel now. But there's going to be kings that come from the east and they're going to use the Euphrates River Valley as a highway. Pastor Ed, do you think that's ever really going to happen? I'm not a betting man, and I don't encourage you to be. This is a sure bet. But I don't want you to be here to collect, so forget about it. Because <laughs> if you're here, you will definitely collect. I mean, you will be paid in full if you understand what I'm saying. Now, verse 13 and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, who's the dragon? We know from Revelation is none other than Lucifer, Satan, the serpent. We know that for sure from the book of the Revelation. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So that remember, that's the second beast that arises out of the land. The mouth of the beast, or, or rather the beast, is the Antichrist who arises from the sea. So let's reread it all now. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth under the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. <clears throat> so these three demonic spirits working from and through uh, Satan, of course, and the Antichrist and the false prophet, Everybody in charge of an army is convinced to bring their whole army somewhere. And what they don't know 
is, or maybe they do, I don't know. <laughs> Some of them might. But what they, what I think they don't realize is they're go, they think they're going to Armageddon for one reason, but Satan has them going there to unite them to try to keep the Lord Jesus Christ and the armies of heaven from coming back to the earth. What a fool's errand. They are going to absolutely, they've already lost that. They don't even need to go. It's already a done defeat for the Antichrist and for Satan and the false prophet. But they're going to do it anyway. And the whole world is going to be involved in this. So we see from verse 14 in Revelation 16 that they are, they are being gathered to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. It's God's battle, and he's going to win it. In fact, it's already won. He's going to enforce it right there at Armageddon. Now, verse, uh, let's see, verse, well, let, let me, let's stop right here just a minute. Nope, let's not. Let's go on. <laughs> Got ahead of myself. Verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So we're warned here to be vigilant and to live for Jesus while we wait for him to come. And we'll go into much greater detail about all of this, the timing, how it works, as we go further in the book of the Revelation. But first, I want you to look at verse 16 of Revelation 16. And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now, God, and he... he this is difficult to explain, but he allows the beast, the false prophet, and Satan through these demonic spirits to convince the whole world militarily to come together at Armageddon. And I don't know what, what all different reasons they may have for going, but the real reason is God is going to slam a victory on them. They're going to lose. God's in charge of this. So, by the way, if you go to sleep every night worried that Armageddon's going to happen while you're asleep, or that you're going to wake up and Armageddon has happened, there may be a lot of bad things that are going to happen. In fact, nuclear war could break out when you go to sleep tonight and wake up in the morning. But Armageddon doesn't happen until God says it happens. And that's farther into the book of the Revelation at the end. And, and we'll go into much greater detail, uh, especially, for example, in Revelation 19. So you need to subscribe to this podcast, like this episode, and share it with somebody. But if you subscribe, you'll be told every time I post the next episode. It's the easiest thing to do. That's what you need to do. All right? I don't want you to miss that. Verse 16, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now, when Napoleon Bonaparte and the French army were uh, busy conquering the Middle East, and he stood probably on Mount Carmel, and he viewed the valley of Megiddo, which is massive. And by the way, it is considered the most fruitful 
breadbasket in the entire world. One of the nicknames of the Valley of Megiddo is the breadbasket of Europe. Did you know that? It has the most fertile soil of any soil in the world. Here's another neat thing about this place. Now, today it's a, a village. I mean, there's a lot around it, but, but there's a village there that's called Megiddo. And it has about 859 people living in it, 858, 861. You, you know what I mean? People dying and being born, right? But it's a very small place. But I'm going to tell you what. A, a great, two great trade routes ran through this area, the King's Highway and the Highway of the Sea. And over 200 battles, I mean, like wars, have been fought there that we know about in world history. And, a, and the next great one is probably the Battle of Armageddon. And it may be closer than we could possibly imagine. Now, we'll see how this unfolds. But when Napoleon Bonaparte viewed the, that plain of Megiddo, he said, this is the most perfect battlefield in the entire world because it's just flat, 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 and as far as you can see. That is where um, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to defeat the forces of the world under the Antichrist. And we'll see that in Revelation 19. So don't drop out on me. Stay with me until we get there. It's that place. Now, if you go to a liberal church, a church which is completely adrift from the word of God, and your pastor or pastorette cannot properly interpret scripture because they are following a symbolical, allegorical, spiritualized interpretation of everything. That, I mean, who knows where they think Armageddon is, but we know where it is. In fact, I want to give you some homework. I want you to, to do an online search for Armageddon, Plain of Megiddo, anything like that, and you will see the most amazing pictures, maps, descriptions. You can even take tours of this right now. You can sign up, pay the money, and take your family to tour this area. It's a real place. Now, I misspoke an episode or so ago, and I said that if you're on the Wall of Jerusalem and you look out, you can see it from there. Um, it's a little farther away than that, I realize, and checking it out. But I guess if you had really, really, really good binoculars or something, maybe you could see it. It's farther north, but the Lord's coming back when he comes to the Mount of Olives. He's going to rescue his people. He's going to totally wipe out the militaries of the world at the Battle of Armageddon a little farther away. So anyway, you can get out your maps to see about all of that. And we'll look at it more in the future. Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts, 
and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. These hailstones are about a hundred pounds in weight. Now, several years ago, I saw the effects of a hailstorm in Nashville, Tennessee. There were holes in the sides of buildings that were two or three inches wide in diameter from that hail. But that's uh, nothing. That's pea-sized hail compared to the hail that God has stored up as a weapon of war against the Christ-rejecting world. Can you imagine the devastation and obliteration there would be if the world was pouted, pounded and pelted with 100-pound hailstones? I don't want to be here when that happens. You don't either. You need to turn today to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a phone number you can call where someone will help you come to true saving faith in Jesus Christ. 888-388-2683. Call that number and someone will speak with you about your relationship or your need for a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. For others of us who are already believers, I just want to encourage you. I want you, this is all I want you to do. Go, go one more minute, one more hour, one more day, one more week, one more month, one more year, and do each of these with the Lord Jesus Christ. It won't be long. We don't know exactly when he's coming and all of this will happen, but just take it a, a second, a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month at a time, and do each one of those with him, and he'll get you where he wants you to go. Listen, it's been great to share the Word of God with you today. I hope you will actually subscribe to the podcast, like this episode, and right from where you're listening right now, Share that with someone that you care about, that you want to hear the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ so they can be saved and not go through this terrible time in earth's future. Thanks for listening. If the Lord doesn't come first, I don't die first, or Satan, the deep state, or World Economic Forum, don't double tap me first, I will be back next week with episode 18 of Revelation, God Rules.